0: Hello, everyone. Or oh, just hi. I'm Michelle Bonder. Welcome to a special episode of Ukraine in a Nutshell, very originally called Independence in a Nutshell. It's a very important holiday for Ukraine today. Thirty-one years ago, we defended our right to independence peacefully, and now we are doing it again. This time, at war, in the name of freedom. It's been 31 years since the proclamation of independence and exactly 6 months since the full-scale invasion of Russia. The newest history of Ukraine is worth a separate textbook because there was so much happening, so I'll divide this episode into two parts. Still, I'll try to be brief and fit one year into one minute. Let's go! In 1991, Ukrainian parliament, the Verkhovna Rada, proclaimed independence on the 24th of August. The Declaration of Independence says that it was adopted because of the mortal danger surrounding Ukraine in connection with the state coup in the USSR on the 19th of August. That it continued the thousand-year tradition of state development in Ukraine, and that the territory of Ukraine is indivisible and inviolable. The national referendum concerning people's approval of this act and the first presidential election both happened on the 1st of December and 90% of Ukrainians voted for independence. After people's confirmation of it, other countries started recognizing Ukraine as an independent state and establishing diplomatic relations. The first country to do so was Poland, then Canada. During the first year of independence, it was recognized in more than 130 countries. In 1992, Ukraine as a young state established its official symbols, all of them at least a hundred years old. The lyrics of the national anthem were written in 1863. Usage of the blue and yellow flag dates as far as the 14th century, and the trident coat of arms was first seen on the 10th century coins. By the way, in case you didn't know, modern trident might be seen as a monogram for the word volya, freedom in Ukrainian, quite symbolic, isn't it? In 1993, Ukrainian government developed the international relations strategy. It was called a multi-vector policy, which meant that Ukraine wasn't supposed to lean into one or another world power. Instead, plainly speaking, it would make friends with everyone and never provoke any conflicts. Such a nicely-looking policy in reality proved to be utopian. You can't be friends with Russia, it's either in everything and sacrifice your sovereignty or defend your land from its invasion in case of disobedience. Unfortunately, back in the 90s it was unknown to most Ukrainians, though it's been true for centuries. In 1994, Ukraine signed the Budapest Memorandum, abandoning its third-largest nuclear arsenal in the world, to Russia, in exchange for safety guarantees from the USA, the UK, and Russia again. According to this treaty, the guarantor countries were supposed to respect Ukraine's independence and sovereignty within existing borders, they mustn't use or threaten to use force against Ukraine or blackmail it economically. As it turned out, Otto von Bismarck was right, when back in the 19th century he said an agreement with Russia is not worth the sheet of paper it's written on. Let's switch to something positive, because by this time you might have drunk all your chamomile tea. In 1995, Ukraine joined the Council of Europe, the organization whose goal is to defend human rights and democracy. This was the start of Ukraine's integration into the European political and cultural space. But you remember the multi-vector international policy, right? This year was quite bad for the Ukrainian Black Sea Fleet based in Crimea because Ukrainian and Russian presidents divided it between the two states. Once again, Ukraine as an independent state shared the Ukrainian fleet based on Ukrainian territory with Russia. Moreover, they didn't divide it in half, which would be the most logical and fair option in this absurd situation. Russia claimed 81.7%, leaving Ukraine with a miserable 17.3%. What the hell has just happened? was probably the first thought of every Ukrainian upon finding out about that nonsense. Well, it was a compromise between the two countries as a consequence of the 1991 94 Crimea crisis when Russia threatened to occupy the peninsula. And that was the first of the many red flags in the Ukraine-Russia relationship. In 1996, two major state-building events took place. On the 28th of June, the Ukrainian parliament adopted the constitution, one of the most democratic fundamental laws in the world. According to the constitution, a person, their life and health, honor and dignity, Inviolability and security are recognized as the highest social value in Ukraine. Also later that year, the national currency, hryvnia was put into circulation. It significantly strengthened the Ukrainian economy because until then Ukrainians used other currency – kuponokarbonyts. As a result of hyperinflation, there were banknotes for one million kuponokarbonyts one million! So at some point, all Ukrainians were millionaires. Hryvnia put an end to it and started a period of economic growth later. In 1997, the first astronaut of independent Ukraine, Leonid Kadeniuk, flew into outer space on the American shuttle Columbia. Actually 20 people in total of Ukrainian descent were in orbit. 15 of them were native Ukrainians labeled as Soviet astronauts and four were American or canadian all children of Ukrainian immigrants. It's slightly beside the point, but I looked it up and couldn't help sharing. But 1997 was also the year when Ukraine documentarily approved the location of Russian troops in Crimea until 2017. It's been six years since USSR collapsed, but Russia still behaved like the tax who can't once and for all pick up their things and leave. In 1998, Russia defaulted. Unlike in 2022, back then Ukraine couldn't say hurray and cheer because the Ukrainian economy was still closely linked to the Russian economy. Ukraine managed to avoid default, but the consequences of the crisis were serious. The hryvnia exchange rate against the US dollar has more than doubled. The unemployment rate rose enormously. On the contrary, in 1998, partnership and cooperation agreement between the European Union and Ukraine, which was signed in 1994, entered into force. As you can see, Ukraine's desire to reconnect with Europe didn't start yesterday, and it's the path we keep walking now. 1999 was the first independence year when the economic situation didn't get worse. The process of transition from a planned economy to a market economy was too painful and too long, like everything concerning Soviet heritage. Mass privatization of Ukrainian industrial objects started this year, too. In 2000, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant was permanently closed. It's really weird, but undamaged power units kept working even 14 years after the catastrophe. Also, the economic crisis ended and the economy started to grow. What a beautiful day to finally rise. In 2001, or 2001, (laughs) the Pope visited Ukraine, which was very inspiring for many Ukrainians. That was the year when the All-Ukrainian Population Census took place. According to the results, the population of Ukraine was almost 48 million and a half. Spoiler, a few months before the war, in December 2021, it was estimated to be around 42 million. And as of May 2022, 5.6 million refugees left Ukraine. Whether they come back or not depends on how long the war will go on. In 2002, Ukraine claimed that it wanted to join NATO someday. Someday hasn't come yet, but Ukrainians are a patient nation. The autumn of 2003 was crazy for the Tuzla island, the tiny Ukrainian island near Crimea, which Russia tried to audaciously appropriate. On the 29th of September, Russia started building a dam towards the island to connect it to Russian territory. Working in three shifts, the workers built 150 meters of the dam a day. Crazy. The next day, Ukraine sent a note of protest to Russia. First Ukrainian minister of foreign affairs, then the president himself negotiates with Russia They stopped construction works in a month when the dam was 100 meters away from the Ukrainian border outpost Another attempt of shameless invasion which ended, thank goodness, peacefully But it doesn't mean there won't be another 2004 was the first year when Ukraine won Eurovision The best song in the contest was "Wild Dances by Ruslana Ležičko. The lyrics were in Ukrainian and English. Also, that's when the first revolution in independent Ukraine happened. Remember when in episode 1 I said that I was born during the revolution? That's the one. In 2004 there was a presidential election. Two candidates elected for the second round were diametrically opposed. Viktor Yanukovych had strong pro-Russian views. And a conviction for theft. Viktor Yushchenko was more into Europe and reforms, and he was never in prison, which is quite important. Quite a confrontation developed between the candidates. A few months before the election Yushchenko was poisoned, but he survived, and the poisoning case was never solved. As it turned out, the results of the second election round were heavily falsified, and Yanukovych kinda won. That's when the people of Ukraine disagreed with such outright machinations and took it to the streets. The revolution was non-violent, and it was called orange because it was the color of Yushchenko's symbolics. That's why Ukrainians wore something orange like a scarf for the protests. Eventually, the second round was declared invalid, and in the third round, which was to replace the second, Yushchenko was elected. The revolution showed that Ukrainians will never be manipulated into being governed by someone they didn't choose. It's fair play or you will pay. In 2005, Ukraine joined the Bologna process, which unites higher education in Europe to the same standards. Also the Ukrainian economy was finally declared market. Bye-bye communism, never see you again. By the way, I should make an episode about why communism is really, really evil. 2006 Remember the Budapest Memorandum? No economic blackmail, right? Russia is always misunderstood. The matter is that it strongly disliked the Ukrainian new government, which gave up the multi-vector policy and turned its face towards Europe. And you can guess which part of the body they turned for Russia to see. Our eastern neighbor had an old trick up their sleeve. Guess blackmail! That's how the first gas war with Russia started. In plain words, the terrorist state made gas prices higher than they were supposed to be on purpose, hoping that Ukraine will change its political course. It didn't though. Also in 2006, the first Crimean Tatar TV channel started broadcasting. It was very important for the indigenous people of Crimea and their language. I think I'll record an episode about Crimea and Crimean Tatars too. Let me know if I should do it in the comments or the spotify poll Whew, that was the first half of independence in a nutshell and here I captured the most important and interesting events of the first 15 years of independence If you're into history, I encourage you to do some further research You know, my main goal here is to get you interested and give you a basic understanding of who Ukrainians are So feel free to dive into Ukrainian history and culture Without bromine, just with my favorite chamomile tea. Also, please, don't forget that the war is not over. Today I woke up to the sound of distant explosions, despite the holiday, just like half a year ago. Things like this happen every day, but I don't want to sound so mundane about it. I don't want this to be a part of my daily routine. Now we need your support even more than six months ago. Spread the information, donate to Ukrainian funds, and don't forget that we are defending not only our independence, but also the whole Europe and the very existence of democracy. See you in the next half of Independence in nutshell, where we'll talk about modern Ukraine and the challenges it's faced throughout the last 16 years. Glory to Ukraine!